God, we trust you because you are enough, Lord. You are. Because we, we sometimes in this world, Lord, we struggle because we feel like we've had more than enough of the world around us. God, forgive us for the times when, when we look to anything but you to satisfy, to provide for us, to be the thing that we put our faith and our trust in. Because God, you and you alone are worthy of our praise, worthy of our adoration, worthy of our trust, God. You are so, so good. God, we come to you today with, with needs on our heart. We give them to you, Lord. We trust you, God. God, we pray for the, the many hurting places around our world today. God, would you be there in just real and powerful ways, drawing all people to yourself. Lord, for those who've suffered from the tornado here nearby in Goshen, Lord, we just pray for that you would provide, Lord, that you would even use us to help to provide for these needs, God. Lord, for our nation, as, as we mourn shootings in Chicagoland area, God, our hearts are heavy and they hurt. Our Akron, our other places, Lord, God, we, we need you. We need your healing. We need your hope. We just need all of you, God. I just pray that you would increase our faith, increase our trust in you, God. For, Lord, you are worthy of all of our trust, all of our faith, all of our praise. God, we give ourselves to you this day. We love you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when, when we go through times of great need... Um, especially traumatic times, it, it does something to us. It, it hurts. It, uh, sometimes it causes us to turn to wrong things. Sometimes it causes us to turn inward. But today, I believe that God is calling us to put our trust in him. I believe that God is just who we've been singing, that God is our provider, that God wants to provide for us, wants to care for us, and he's worthy of our trust. It's hard sometimes to trust when you've been through things, and I know that many of you have been through things that I don't know about or I don't understand, but I know our God, and I know that our God is, is faithful. I read a story about how after World War II, the Allied forces were, were going around there in Europe, and they were looking and they found uh, children who had, were homeless. Many were orphans. Their, their parents had been killed in this war. And, and the Allied forces, they, they rounded up these kids, and many of them were starving. They had been in just very dire circumstances. And they brought them into some large camps where they would be cared for, and they would be fed and, and provided the medical attention that they needed. And so they found that with these kids that they would, they would eat because they were hungry and they were provided for and things would be all right. But when they would go to bed at night, they would struggle to sleep. They would wake up and they'd be scared. They'd be terrified. They'd, they would sometimes have a hard time falling asleep. And they just, they couldn't figure out what to do for these kids because they had all the food they needed and yet they were still so scared. One of the psychiatrists, he got an idea that they tried and it made a massive impact. 
They would put the kids to bed at night, and once the kids were tucked into bed, they would go around and they would give them one more piece of bread, one more piece of bread. But the interesting thing is that they didn't give the kids this bread as a snack. Instead, they told them just to hold it, just to keep it with them throughout the night. And they found that it made a radical difference in the kids' ability to relax and to go to sleep because they had here a tangible reminder that I'm going to have food tomorrow, that I'm going to wake up and it's going to be okay because my provider provided something for me yesterday, even something I can hold in my hand, so I know that I'm going to be okay tomorrow. And maybe you're here today and you've been kind of restless in life. Maybe you've been through some really tough stuff, and, and maybe today the Lord just wants to put something into your hand to say, you can trust me. You can trust that I'm going to be faithful. You can trust that I will be your provider. I want to tell you a story this morning. It comes from the book of Exodus, where we're in this series. And, and last week, we talked about how God led the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the Red Sea, right? It was, it's an amazing story, right? That, that, that God shows up in power. He leads them out of Egypt. He convinces Pharaoh, even stubborn old Pharaoh, to let him go. And the people leave. They get to the Red Sea. But of course, Pharaoh changed his mind. He hardens his heart. And so then God shows off by parting the Red Sea. The people go right through the middle. And then God drops the sea on the Egyptians and kills the, the enemies of the Israelites. He shows how powerful he he is, that God is their protector. Well, so now they've, they've gone through the Red Sea. The very next chapter of chapter 15, it's, it's dedicated to praising God. The people are just so thankful, and they write, they write songs to the Lord, and they praise God. But then before we even get out of chapter 15, they encounter their first, or, the, or the second, maybe big problem. Uh, they're without water for a few days, and of course, that's bad news. And so they, they get really desperate, but God provides water for them. Chapter 16, then uh, the next chapter here, uh, they encounter another problem, and it's around food this time. The people are getting kind of hungry, and I don't know about you, but when I get kind of hungry, I tend to get kind of hangry. Anybody else like that? You know what I'm talking about? Like you're hungry and you're angry, so it's hangry, right? Like you're just, you're just struggling because you're really, really hungry. I mean, for me, I'm good to go on like low amounts of sleep. That's not a huge problem. I can work really long hours. That's not a problem. But man, if lunch is like an hour late, I'm ready to lose my mind. It's, it's not admirable. I know. It's a problem. I'm not proud of it, but it is what it is. Like there's others without this problem. For example, um, Pastor Mark Putman, like I, Pastor Mark and his wife Marge, they've been doing this diet and they are rocking it. Like they're doing awesome and it's super cool. Uh, but Mark and I, our offices are across the, the hall from each other. So I know his rhythms and routines pretty well. And when he started this diet, like in the beginning, the first it was like the first three weeks, like he was only allowed to eat, it was like low-fat cardboard and water, like pretty sure that was it. And then for supper, they'd give him like a few bird seeds or something like that. It was like terrible, like, and if I were, if I were Mark, like I would have had to take like a sabbatical during this time, right? 
or else, like, I'm sure I would have been fired, right? You know, I might have even lost my salvation if I had to do this, right? Like, because it was a hard thing. It would have been impossible, I think, for me. But Mark, no, not Mark. He's his usual happy-go-lucky self, right? So there's some people that are good at that. I am not one of them. And apparently, the Israelites were kind of like me. They had issues with hanger as well, right? So Exodus 16, 2. The whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Get this. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. There we sat around pots filled with meat and we ate all the bread we wanted. But you, Moses and Aaron, you have led us out here to starve us to death. That's a little bit of revisionist history, don't you think? I mean, you might recall they were slaves in Egypt, right? Whenever you're looking back at slave life as the good life, you've kind of lost your compass, right? They're like, oh man, when we were slaves, it was like this like all-inclusive like surf and turf all the time. All you could eat, it was awesome, right? And then we were good until you, Moses, you come along and, and you had to lead us out of that wonderful place of Egypt out here in the desert to die. What is wrong with you? Why would you do this to us? Our memory of God's provision gets kind of short sometimes. <laughs> These are the people who just got led through the Red Sea when they thought Pharaoh was going to kill them, right? And now we're hungry and we're losing our minds. Like, there's, we should have just died back in Egypt, right? It would have been better than being hungry right here and right now. But, you know, despite our unfaithfulness, God is always faithful to provide Verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven on you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for the, that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. Why? Because the Sabbath was the next day. We're not supposed to work on that day, okay? So this is really important what's happening here. God is not only just providing food miraculously for them in that moment. That's part of it. But bigger than that, God is teaching them something, and he's teaching us something through this. God is teaching them to be reliant on him, to trust in him each and every day. Do you remember when Jesus taught us to pray? What did he say? Pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. He's referencing right back to this story, right? Okay, right back to this story. He didn't say, give us this day our weekly bread, our monthly bread, or better yet, our annual bread. Nope, that's not what Jesus said. Give us this day our daily bread bread. It's a way of saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you because you were faithful yesterday. So I'm going to trust that you'll be faithful today and tomorrow. I'm not going to go out and collect a week's supply. I'm going to get just what I need for today because I know that you are my provider and I'm going to put my trust in you. Now, this kind of thinking is a little odd for us as Americans, because we like to be well-stocked and prepared, right? 
Like, isn't it a wonderful thing at home when you open the refrigerator and it's like stocked full, right? Isn't that a beautiful sight? I have three teenagers. I don't even remember what that looks like anymore. It just, just doesn't happen, you know? Or, or perhaps you've seen the most beautiful thing you can see in 2022. You know what I'm saying? Right there. It's like a miracle, right? You, you might have had to take out a loan, right? But you know, it is what it is, right? But we like to be prepared. We like to be ready. We like the pantry to be full, the gas tank to be full. So this concept of daily bread, it kind of gives us the heebie-jeebies if we're honest. And you know, if we have to think back though, in most, most cultures throughout history have not had the, the affluence that, that we live in as Americans. Most people have not had the ability to stockpile to be able to have food for quite a while. The average Americans today spends 10% or less of their annual income on food. 10% or less. So like 90% of what we take in, we spend on things other than just food. If we contrast that today with poor countries in the world, people often spend 60 to 80% of their money on food alone. Think about that. If every day when you went to work, you had to work all morning long and well into the afternoon perhaps just to pay for what you eat that day. Give us this day our daily bread, they get it. They understand exactly what God is talking about there. And hear me, it's not a bad thing to have a full pantry. It's not a bad thing to save money. It's not a bad thing to plan for retirement. These are all wise, responsible things, okay? God's not saying that that's evil or wrong. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But there is a danger for us rich people. And I know what you're saying. You're like, oh, I'm not rich. She's rich, right? That's rich. Like, I don't have my Gulf Stream yet. I am not rich, right? Okay, well, here's the deal. Today in the world, if you make $50,000 or more, and that's not chump change, but if you make $50,000 or more, you are in the top 1% of income earners around the globe, okay? So... Fellow one percenters or close to that, we are the rich people, okay? And we got to remember what Jesus said. He said that it's not easy for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we get used to being our own providers. We get used to the concept that I'm good. I don't, I don't have to worry about food because the, the pantry is full and I've got money in the bank account and I've got this, that, and the other, right? So, so I, I, I'm good. I, and it's not that we say to God, oh, I don't need you, but we kind of operate that way. We, that, that thinking tends to prevail in our minds. I've been blessed to be able to go to a number of foreign countries on mission trips and to meet followers of Jesus there who live without the massive provisions that, that I tend to live with. And let me tell you, they have a faith that is incredible. It's incredible because they know what it means to trust God as their provider in a way that I don't know, I don't understand, I don't live in that reality in the same way. You know... We don't, just because we don't experience material poverty doesn't mean that we can't be spiritually poor, though. 
When you have a lot of stuff, it's easy to get obsessed around the stuff and the upkeep of the stuff. I know because I fall into this too. The house, the car, the this, that, and the other. It all takes so much time and energy and all this stuff. It gets harder sometimes to focus on the Lord. But that doesn't mean it's anything, it's any less necessary to do so. Friends, you can be physically rich and spiritually poor. You can be physically rich and spiritually poor simultaneously. The, the Israelites, they had just moved on up from slavery into freedom, but they were far from self-reliant. In the wilderness, God strips them down of, of so much. They're not cooking, they're not providing the food, they're not making the clothes, they're not the ones making the path or the plans or all this stuff, it's God. And God says, look, here's the deal, you are going to trust me. You're going to trust that tomorrow there's going to be food, why? Because I provide it. You're going to trust that you're going to go in the right direction because you're going to follow me. You're going to follow the cloud, my presence right there. You're going to trust when enemies come that I've got you, that I'm going to take care of you because I am your God. I am your provider. This is who you trust. How would you have done in that situation? Be honest with yourself. I'll start. I don't know if I would have done well at all. I like to know the plan. Better yet, I like to make the plan when at all possible. Some people call that control issues. I would say, no comment. (laughs) I mean, when it comes to faith, yes, I trust in the Lord. I just, I want to see the playbook, right? I want to see like more than just the daily bread version of this thing. Where's the food coming from next week, God? Could we talk about that? And sometimes God reveals the big plan. He does. Sometimes God does that. I've seen that in my life many times. And sometimes God says, here's what you get for today. And tomorrow, you're going to trust me too. Because I gave you what, I needed for t- what you needed for today. Now, will you trust me tomorrow? How did the Israelites do with this? Uh, no surprise, some of them struggled. Verse 14, when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food that the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. Then Moses told them, do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them did not listen and kept some of it until morning. By then, it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. I told you, get what you need for today. That's it. No extra, no stockpiling, no planning for your midnight snack or whatever it is you're doing. Just today's bread. Was it really that hard, people? And now our camp, it stinks because some of you don't trust the Lord. Because some of you got to go with your own plan, got to call your own audible, got to do it your own way. And here we are. 
God provided for them in a miraculous way. This manna, what is it, is what that literally means, that is there every single morning for them, right? It's kind of like a a cracker-like substance, right, that God has provided for them. He provided manna in the morning. He provided birds that would fly in at night and, and come into the camp, and so they'd have meat at night. So he provides for them every morning and every night, and they still they still trust God. And this is going to be a problem, right? Because the whole point of this little exercise is to build our faith, to build our trust in God as our provider. Think about it. These people are going to go, someday they're going to march into the promised land, right? God's going to part the Jordan River for them. They're going to walk across on dry land once again. They're going to go to a city called Jericho, a big, powerful city. They are not equipped to take this city. And God's going to tell them, here's the plan. You're going to take the city by marching around it. Really? That's all? We're going to march around it? Yep, you're going to march around it, and I'm going to make the walls fall in, right? How are they going to have the faith to go and do the march around it plan if you can't trust God to feed you every day? What are they going to do when they come up on some of these other battles? There's going to be a battle where they're fighting, and they don't seem to have enough time to have the victory. God is going to make the sun stand still, okay? God's going to literally make the sun stand still for them. There's going to be upset victory after upset victory after upset victory. Why? Because they had to learn to trust the Lord. They had to learn. They had to get the daily bread stuff before they could move into the big stuff. And friend, if you're going to learn to trust the Lord, you got to get comfortable with this. You got to get comfortable with this. Give us this day our daily bread. God will give you regular opportunities, disguised as seemingly impossible problems, to grow in your faith. Some of us have a few opportunities going on right now. And we've been asking the Lord, why, God, would you do this? Why would you put this in my path? Why would, maybe, just maybe, this is an opportunity for you and me to learn to trust the Lord more and more and more. I bet if we had time to go around the room and to share some stories, there would be incredible stories of how these opportunities, if you will, these situations that seem to be so difficult, maybe impossible, but God, but God provided, but God stepped in, and God made a way where there was no way. I've seen it in my life so many different ways. Like, let me show you just a few stories, right? I'm going to just pick one specific area of my life because I've seen it in so many different ways. Let's just talk about starting at churches, okay? So I'll t- tell you these stories of when I've started at churches since seminary. The very first one, I was a youth pastor. I started there, and I, I was just out of seminary, right? I came into this church like I was like shot out of a cannon, right? Like I was ready to go, so excited, so passionate, and our youth group was growing. God was doing so many awesome things, and by about nine months in, there was the, these two people. They were like the key long-term volunteers in the youth ministry, like the, the like matriarch-patriarch kind of voices, and nine months in, they decided that I needed to be fired. And they would spend the next three years working on that project. Five different times they would go to our board with this, you know, we need to get rid of John, blah, 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 right? I, I had never had an enemy in my life. And I was expecting everything to go great. And I found myself 
on my knees, desperate, seeking the Lord, because I knew, I knew I couldn't solve this. I knew I couldn't solve this without the Lord's strength, without the Lord's provision. I didn't get fired, by the way, either. Um, side note. Then next church, right? I started there, and I was, uh, sorry, I was 29 years old starting at this church, and uh, it, was, it was a church that was, that was large, had been pretty successful, uh, but the staff was really in need of, of, of reconfiguring, um, and, and the, I was the executive pastor, the lead pastor just uh, didn't, didn't have the, really the ability to do that, right? And so they, they tasked that to me, the 29-year-old. I was the second youngest guy on the staff, but then I fired the youngest person, so then I was the youngest person. So we, I was tasked with this whole like restructuring, right? And they put like two Procter & Gamble people like, over me to kind of like help out, like be my little helper buddies from the board, right? And like we worked on this together and like I knew I was out of my depth, right? This was way beyond my capacity and yet God worked. God moved. It wasn't because of me. It was because God moved and he made a difference. And, and we've, we got all that done and we were ready to live into it. And then I got moved, right? And I was not ready for that at all, right? And, and they sent me to, to my th- third place, right? Which was the place that I just came from, right? And it was a church that had been historically very successful, but at that point, it was right at the verge of bankruptcy. We had 18 months, and, and I knew it hit me so early on. This, there is no way that this happens by my leadership and my ideas. There is no way. I, I can only, to, what, what I did to start off, like, I turned long-term slow growth, slow decline, long-term slow decline into very quick decline, right? Because we had to make some really hard changes, and it was not fun. And I did not sleep much at night then because I would would pray and ask God, like, God, I don't even know why you sent me here. I don't know what it is you're doing, and I I know one thing. This will fail if it's not for you. If it's not your work, if it's my work, this will fail. I am way, way, way out of my depth. And each and every one of those times, God moved. God made ways where there was no ways. God did work that would blow my mind, that would be way beyond, way beyond what I could have ever led or done. I know me really well. And let me tell you, it wouldn't have happened Many of you, you've got stories like this in your life, right? You know what it's like to see these situations, these problems, these difficulties, and to say, I don't see a way whatsoever. And that's when God says, are you trusting me? Are you trusting me? Do you really think that what happened yesterday and the day before and the day before, do you really think that was because of your own strength, your good ideas? Do you think you got yourself this far? Are are you that arrogant? Look at what God has done and trust that he is our provider, that he is our provider. I love what it says in James. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face many kinds of trials. And then this next verse, would you read this with me aloud and loudly? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance. Not easy days produce perseverance. Not having everything just fixed for you so you knew it was going to be fine. Not, that doesn't produce perseverance. It comes down to that testing of our faith 
that produces perseverance. And, and we're here today because God has brought us through so many challenges, so many difficulties, and he will continue to be faithful. He will continue to be faithful. The problem is that for us, sometimes we, we confuse what it is that we want and what it is that we need. If you've ever raised two and three-year-olds, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because for them, everything is a need. There are no wants. It's everything is an immediate need, right? And my parents are here. One reason to fix my needs. Do it now or I'm going to be really mad, right? That's how they live. And yet sometimes that's how we look at God. As if everything that, that I perceive that I need must absolutely be a need. And so God must do it right now. Why are you not doing it right now? I'm waiting. I asked one time, why are you not doing it? Sometimes these are wants. Sometimes these are things that really aren't in my best interest. Or sometimes they're things that I need to be patient for. Followers of Jesus, sometimes people like you and me need to grow up a little bit. I love you, but we do. Sometimes we look a little bit like the little guys who are running around or like the Israelites who are throwing tantrums, right? Like, we should have died in Egypt. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Maybe for us, God is speaking. Forgive us for the times, God, when we say, my will be done instead of thy will be done. I want your will, God. I want to surrender my hopes, my aspirations, my needs, the things that I think that I need, all this, God. I want to trust you. This is why when Jesus called the disciples, he called them to leave their nets behind. Remember? He called them to leave stuff. It was difficult. This is why when God commanded Abraham, it was to, to leave everything behind and to trust me, to follow me. It's why Jesus said that if you want to be my disciple and you, you put your hand to the plow, but you're looking backwards, you're not fit because you've got to be looking at me. You've got to be trusting in me. You've got to be trusting in me. I am your provider. I'm the one who gives you daily bread. My friend, what would it take for you to trust God as your provider? Sit with that for a minute. in the areas where you're struggling right now? What would it take? And, and God forbid, what if you were to go through a, a Job kind of moment and you were to lose a lot? What if that stock market loss you got this year, what if it was taken like times four, right? What if that happened? What if, what if your job wasn't there anymore? What if the business wasn't what it is today? What if the relationship was struggling? What would it look like for you? What would it take for you to trust in God as your provider? Do you believe that God actually has your best interest at heart? Because here's the thing. I strongly believe that only Jesus only Jesus can satisfy the deepest hungers of our hearts. We've got this, this hole inside, and we try to fill it with all the wrong stuff. It's why, I don't know why it is for you. 
It's, it's why you drink too much before you go to bed at night. It's why you're working so many insane hours desperate to get that promotion. Or it's why you, if you had to admit it, you like it when the person at the office flirts with you or why you turn to the affair. It's, it's why you've given in to the addiction. It's why you've given in to whatever it is. It's why you're working for the weekend or living for the vacation or whatever it is because you're trying to satisfy with something that's not Jesus. And today, my friend, he says, I'm enough. I'm enough. Will you trust me? With the deepest longings of your heart, will you let them be filled by me? Will you trust that I actually have your best interest in, at heart? That, that if I clothe the lilies, that if I know when a sparrow drops from the sky, that if I know how many hairs are on your head, that I am worthy of your trust. What would it take for you to trust Jesus like that? Jesus said it in John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. What do you need from the Lord? I, I sense in my spirit that many of us came here today with, with needs. Maybe it's something you've been praying for and God just doesn't seem to be answering. You're just not hearing from the Lord. Or maybe it's a financial need or maybe it's a health need. Maybe it's just a deep hurt in your heart that you can't talk about with anybody else right now. Maybe it's an issue at your work. Maybe you need work. Maybe you've been praying for a child. Maybe you're distant from your child. Whatever it is, what do you need from the Lord today? I want to do something a little different here for prayer today. I want to invite you that if you came here with with a need on your heart, or if you sense in your spirit a need in your heart, um, I want to pray for you, and, and I'm not going to ask you to share what that need is, but if you've got a need, would you just stand right now, just right where you're at, that's all I'm going to ask you to do, would you just please stand right now, if there's some need in your heart. And if, if you're around somebody who's standing and you feel led, feel free to just pray for them. You can just extend a hand or you can go over. Don't talk to them. Just You can pray out loud or in your heart, whatever it is. As I'm praying, you can pray right along. God, here we are. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And we have needs. These things, God, we don't have to speak them aloud because you know every single one of them. You knew them before we stood up in faith, but God, you see us. And I just pray that you would provide right now. I pray that, Lord, there's situations, God, where you're going to work a miracle right now. Lord, I trust that you would do that, God. I just ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would just miraculously provide exactly what is needed, God. Thank you, God. You do that. And Lord, I pray for, for the one who needs guidance, God, that you would give guidance. I pray for the one who needs hope, that you would give hope. I pray for the one who needs peace, God, would you fill them with your peace, that peace that passes all understanding. I pray for the one whose heart is hurting today, God. You are the healer of broken hearts. Would you mend? Would you bind up? Would you do the work that only you can do? God, I pray for the physical need, God. Would you just touch? Would you bring healing? Would you bring strength? 
I pray for the one who's on a long journey right now that is so difficult and they feel like they're out there all alone, God. Would they see that you are right there with them, that you have not left, that you have not forsaken them, God, but that you are here, that you are providing, God. Lord, I pray for the one who's dealing with addiction. I pray for the one whose marriage is falling apart. I pray for the one who needs a child. I pray for the one who's distant from their child. I pray for God that whatever it is, God, would you work, would you provide. We trust in you, God. So give us this day our daily bread. You are so good. You are so good. We love you, God. And we pray all of this in your holy name. Amen.